Here's what's ahead of us on Abounding Grace. God doesn't approve of lying. He doesn't promote lying, but he does permit it. Some of you were lied to this week, and God allowed it. It's painful to be lied to. It undercuts the very essence of relationship, doesn't it? It takes away the very foundation of trust. The, the fabric of every relationship is trust. And that trust is eroded through dishonesty. And yet, though God allows it, He can also redeem it for His purposes. This is amazing grace. It's time for Abounding Grace, a ministry of Calvary Aurora. We'll be joined by Pastor Ed Taylor in a second, who is just about to finish our series in 1 Kings. See if this sounds familiar. You have this feeling in your gut that something isn't right. You can't put your finger on it, but the alarm is going off inside. That's what's really going on here in 1 Kings 22, and Ed will relate it to how the Holy Spirit works in the lives of believers today. 1 Kings chapter 22 as we finish off the book of 1 Kings in a Bible study that I've entitled, Man Cannot Outsmart God. There isn't any of us that can outsmart God, including King Ahab. Notice in verse 1 of chapter 22, he says, uh, it's written, Now three years passed without war between Syria and Israel. And it came to pass in the third year that Jehosh Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went down to visit the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said to his servants, do you know that Ramoth and Gilead is ours, but we hesitate to take it out of the hand of the king of Syria? So he said to Jehoshaphat, will you go with me to fight at Ramoth Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. And so King Jehoshaphat, he agrees to partner with Ahab but we learned that he wanted to hear from the Lord first. Notice verse 5. Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Please inquire for the word of the Lord today. And the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said to them, Shall I go against Ramoth Gilead to fight, or shall I refrain? So they said, Go up, for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. And Jehoshaphat said, Is there still not a prophet of the Lord? here that we may inquire of him? And so the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is still one man, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. Mark, mark that thought. Because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, well, let not the king say such things. And the king of Israel called an officer and said, bring Micaiah and the son of Imlah quickly. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, having put on their robes, sat each on his throne at a threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets prophesied before them. Now Zedekiah, verse 11, the son of Chenea, uh, said, 
had made horns of iron for himself, and he said, Thus says the Lord, With these you shall gore the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied, saying, Go up to Ramoth-Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the king's hand. So there's, there's this need to hear from the Lord before going to battle from Jehoshaphat, because Jehoshaphat is a much better king than Ahab. And he wants to hear from the Lord, but he has this check in his spirit, or we might refer to it as, you know, a feeling in your gut. You know, you've got a gut feeling something isn't right. And I want you to notice between verse 6 and verse 7, a distinction in the word that's being used. Notice in verse 6, the king of Israel gathers the prophets together, about 400 men. They said to him, shall I go against Ramoth Gilead to fight or shall I refrain? So they said, go up for the Lord will deliver it into their hands. Adonai, the Lord. But notice in verse 7, Jehoshaphat said, is there still not a prophet of Yahweh? And you say, Ed, well, what's the difference? I don't see the difference. Well, notice in verse 6, in the New King James Version, the translators use this translation over and over again to make a distinction. You'll notice in verse 6, it's capital L, little o, little r, little d. But then in, cap, in verse 7, it's all caps. Capital L, capital O, capital R, D. Whenever you see that, that is a reference to Yahweh. And in the Lord, you have to look it up. But most likely, uh, I mean, I know it's this one. This word in particular is the word Adonai. And there's a distinction. There's a distinction from what's happening with Ahab and what is happening with Jehoshaphat. Now, this hesitation from the 400 prophets is something that I refer to in the New Testament as the Holy Spirit alarm. Have you ever had that ringing sensation, if you will, that something's not quite right with this person, with this situation, and you may even describe it, I can't put my finger on it, but I just know it's not right, it's not clear. It's a feeling or a little hesitation to go forward. And you're unable to really clearly understand what's happening. And so instead of moving forward, you just stop or you pause. And I believe for us as believers in the new covenant, now Jehoshaphat doesn't have that here. Uh, he doesn't have the Holy Spirit indwelling him. But we have something even greater. And that is this Holy Spirit living inside of us. In 1 Corinthians, we learn the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We went through them one by one. Uh, in our Bible study previously, but one of them that's so important that we need to be remain open to is something known as the discerning of spirits, or we might refer to it as the gift of discernment. You're just able, the gift of discernment where you're able to tell right from wrong, especially as it relates to the scriptures. You're able to discern what is right and what is wrong. L let me show you another Old Testament example. Turn over to 1 Kings, or excuse me, 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. It's very important to live with discernment in our lives. The ability to tell right from wrong. Where, where everything isn't what it seems to be. And this principle is revealed throughout the Bible. But in one particular time with Samuel. Notice in chapter 16 uh, verse 1. 
It says the Lord, notice again, that's the L-O-R-D. Yahweh is speaking to Samuel saying, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I've rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If the Lord hears it, he'll kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice. And then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I'll show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me the one I named you. Verse 4. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. The elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. And the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord, Yahweh, looks at the heart. This is a very important principle to understand. You and I, we are only able to see the outside. There isn't any of us that with our ability to see and to listen, to listen to someone speaking, we aren't able to know the heart. Now, there is something to be said, though, where Jesus speaks to us that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, you know, if you get somebody talking long enough, Eventually, the, the true colors of their heart will come out. But generally speaking, we are unable to know someone's heart. And when we begin to presume that we do know someone's heart, we're treading on very dangerous waters. However, man looks at the outward, but God, God sees the heart. Now, what we learn from, what we learn from Samuel here is that outward appearances can fool us. We could see something. This is in the positive here in the sense where Samuel sees the oldest son. This, this has got to be the one. He looks like the one. And God literally tells him, don't choose him. I've refused him. Because what you see on the outward is not what I'm looking at. But rather I know his heart. You can jot it down in maybe in your notes on the side of your Bible. Isaiah chapter 55 because it's another place where God very specifically tells us that his thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways aren't our ways. And if we don't grasp this principle, we will make many mistakes. And we do. We do make many mistakes. I've made many mistakes just like Samuel, where I have assessed on the outward. I even prayed through things, and I was wrong. There was deception going on. And I have to say there have even been times where I have been deceived by someone and the Holy Spirit was even warning me ahead of time. Not specifically, not, not like I didn't get a letter in the mail or I didn't get something so clear like Samuel did, I've refused him. But I had this gut feeling something wasn't right. I had this sense something wasn't right. I even went to talk to the person and their answers seemed to line up and we moved forward until finally, finally true colors were revealed. This is where the manifestation of the discerning of spirits is so needed. We have more than what Samuel did. 
because the Holy Spirit is inside of us, helping us both to see and to think and even to know what God knows about a situation. The Holy Spirit helps us in discerning between good and evil, holy and unholy, righteous and unrighteous. We open ourselves up to this gift simply by obeying what John told us. Jot it down, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, where John says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. In another place, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit in verse 13, describes a group of people. He says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. That's a New Testament way of saying not everybody is what they say they are, especially within the congregation. Now, I know when we come to gather as a church family or whatever church family you're a part of, there is a sense of excitement and anticipation to be with the saints. It's so different than the things that we need to do in the world and the world environment. The music is different. The atmosphere is different. It's encouraging. This is a place where you know you're going to be pointed to the things of God. You know that you're going to hear about God. You know you're going to be encouraged. It's, it's, one, it's so wonderful that if you, if you don't think about it, you're going to let your guard down in this room. You're just going to let your guard down. Uh, you, you know, that, uh, an example, you, you just come in and you go, I'm just worshiping the Lord, and, and you just don't want to have the edge that you have in the world. You don't want to keep your eye open, kind of. You don't want to have to second guess anyone. You don't want to have to worry about anyone. And, and so what happens in churches? A lot of people are taken advantage of. A lot of purses are stolen. You know, we have people in the parking lot looking over the cars. Why? Because a lot of cars are messed with. Like, like there are th those that... Those that want to take advantage of people will often seek out churches, which is why I don't want you to let your guard down. Now, you don't have to have the same edge that you might have uh, in the world, but at the same time, there are those that will transform themselves, those that are not following God, those that don't love God, those that don't care about God, that will transform themselves and pretend to be believers, and they'll pick up the lingo. It doesn't take long to pick up the lingo. How you doing, brother? Hallelujah, brother, sister. Oh, you're going to leave your purse here. Why you go talk to someone? Perfect, sister. And let me buy you a cup of coffee. Let me, you know, just watch your purses, ladies, okay? And guys, keep an eye out for people that would want to take advantage of the ladies or of the guys here. Keep an eye out that although we're gathered together, as saints, and we're gathered together for the most part in an environment that worships, that we don't let our guard down to the point where we're not walking in wisdom anymore. We need to keep the wisdom at the forefront. And, and if there's something you have a gut check about something, then follow up with it. Talk to one of the pastors, perhaps. Follow up with, you, you're uncomfortable, somebody's making you uncomfortable, come talk to one of the pastors. And we'll, we'll follow up and say, hey, what's going on? How are things? How, what, how, you know, what's going on? How, how are you tonight? It's okay to walk around with discernment. 
The Lord wants us to be wise. He knows our limitations. I I think we need to understand that we have limitations, that we don't know everything about everything. And that's where the Spirit of God comes in. He is able and eager to help us discern from good and bad, from right and wrong, the truth from the lies. I look back on my life and I see so many times when I've been taken advantage of, when I've been lied to, or hurt deeply by liars, deceivers. Because we do give people the benefit of the doubt, right? Because that's what God has done to us. <laughs> like we're so eager to be gracious with people because God's been so gracious to us. And yet you've got to understand when you extend grace to someone, it, it is going to be an opportunity for you to experience the same kind of pain that Jesus experienced as he, agreed, he extended grace. And yet, as I look back, there was also those times where that alarm was sounding sometimes very loud, sometimes very low, but I ignored it or explained it away with some rational reason. It's not like I was walking in sin, uh, but, but I was like, man, Lord, I, that, maybe that's not it, and maybe I'm not seeing it right. And instead, I need to train myself, even after all of these years, to pray and pay. Pray and pay attention. Pay attention spiritually. It will save us from a lot of trouble that we would learn how to be led by the Holy Spirit. So what does Jehoshaphat do? He's got these 400 prophets, but it seems like these 400 prophets are loyal to Ahab because they're still alive and they're following him. And he's the one that calls them. And you know how the kingdom has been. We've studied Ahab. Like, this was a kingdom, either you agree with Ahab or you're dead. And so Jehoshaphat's picking up on something. He goes, isn't, isn't there a prophet isn't there any prophet that is loyal to Yahweh? And this guy, Micaiah, or Micaiah, he, his name comes up. And, and of course, you know this guy's legit. How do we know that? Ahab hates him. Doesn't want to hear from him. I don't want to hear from that guy anymore. And he hated him because he spoke the truth. Isn't that Ahab's pattern? He would always look at someone and call someone that told him the truth his enemy. And that's how he treated Elijah. He, Elijah, he thought Elijah was his enemy. Why? Because Elijah would tell him the truth. When in fact, he wasn't his enemy at all. So now notice verse 13 in 1 Kings 22. Then the messenger who had gone to call Micaiah spoke to him saying, Now listen, the words of the prophets with one accord encourage the king. Please let your word be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. Just kind of give him a heads up. I mean, isn't that... You put yourself in Micaiah's, uh, in his shoes for a second, his sandals, and you, you know you've got to speak the word of the Lord. You know you've got to make that hard decision. And isn't there always someone that is always telling you there's a way out? There's a way out of this hard situation. If you'll just speak encouragement, everyone else, you're, you're up one to 400. Everyone's speaking encouragement. The king, why don't you just speak encouragement? You know, everyone's going this way. Why don't you go this way? And Micaiah, verse 14, said, As Yahweh lives, whatever Yahweh says to me, I will speak. Praise God for that. Whatever God tells me to speak, I'm going to speak. Yeah, but you know, the king and the 400 prophets, you know, listen, I'm not loyal to the king and I'm not loyal to the 400 prophets above and beyond my loyalty to God. And what he has to say, I will say. And he came to the king, verse 15, 
And the king said to him, Micaiah, um, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead or shall we refrain? And he answered, go and prosper for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. And so the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you'll tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? He doesn't believe him. And the messenger goes, he tries to give him a way out. Micaiah says, no way, I'm going to speak with the Lord. And what did God tell him? God told him, go ahead, go and prosper. Go forward in battle. That's the will of God. Ahab's reply is a little sarcastic in verse 16. He, he wants to make sure this is from the Lord. It doesn't sound right. He agrees with the 400, as you'll see in a moment. There's a little bit of a different ending than Ahab is expecting. But he does tell him to go, verse 17. Now, those of you that read ahead know this is a little bit of a troubling passage, but we'll go through it uh, and explain it uh, to the point where we'll understand a little better. Verse 17. Then he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his own house in peace. And the kings of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? And then Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by and on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab to go up, that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? So one spoke in this manner, and another spoke in that manner, and a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I'll persuade him. Verse 22. The Lord said to him, In what way? And so he said, I'll go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, You shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. Remember, that now therefore look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets of yours, and the Lord has declared disaster against you. Now, this is an interesting vision that Micaiah had and shared. The sheep will be scattered, and the shepherd will be taken out. And Ahab understood it. Ahab understood this vision to mean that his days were numbered. So the original word, go and prosper, I mean, he took that, but his thought was he was going to be victorious and he would come back. But that's not the case at all. God was giving insight to Micaiah of what is going to happen in the future. Now, what about this lying spirit that is mentioned in the vision? Well, first of all, understand that this is mentioned as a vision before Micaiah. It was given to him in a vision. It's a dramatic revelation of God's power and sovereignty. But secondly, remember that the devil and the demonic realm still have some sort of access to God in heaven and in every way must yield themselves to the will of the Father. So when you see this, God is not commending lying here. He, he's not approving of lying. He's simply using it to accomplish his purposes. God doesn't approve of lying. He doesn't promote lying. But he does permit it. Some of you were lied to this week. And God allowed it. It's painful to be lied to. It undercuts the very essence of relationship, doesn't it? It takes away the very foundation of trust. The, the fabric of every relationship is trust. And that trust is eroded through dishonesty. And yet, though God allows it, he can also redeem it for his purposes. You could say in a, a way that the devil serves the purposes of God. The devil serves the purposes of God. He, he's under the providential 
or the sovereign hand of God. Well, we've been looking at the book of 1 Kings today on Abounding Grace. Ed Taylor is our teacher, and he's the pastor of Calvary Church, Colorado. You can catch what you may have missed online at calvaryaurora.org. You can also listen on iTunes or through our app. Do a search for Calvary Aurora. Hey, do you have a stubborn habit you'd like to break free of here in the new year? Maybe it's filthy language or an improper thought life. We'd like to suggest a great book by Erwin Lutzer that can help. It's called Getting to Know. That's spelled N-O. You'll learn how to apply God's Word and overcome whatever is plaguing your life. We'll send it to you with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. And thank you for remembering us in your prayers and giving to the Lord here in 2019. We rely completely on God to make all this happen, and we look to our listeners to help us cover the increasing costs of being on the radio. Call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryaurora.org. That's 877-30-GRACE. If you prefer to write to Abounding Grace, jot down this address, 18900 East Hamden Avenue, Aurora, Colorado, 80013. Glad you've taken time out for our study in 1 Kings. We'll pick up what we left off next time we get together on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado. 